So heat illness in and amongst itself is a disease that we see. Heat-related environmental exposure stuff, and it's really a spectrum of illnesses. On one hand, it starts off with heat cramps and the symptoms of dehydration and maybe some type symptoms, which each of us have probably experienced, quite honestly, at some point in time in our lives. And that can really progress to a more life-threatening emergency where someone maybe loses consciousness, maybe they're having a respiratory difficulty. And the most serious of those situations is when the brain and its ability to auto-regulate temperature in the body becomes impaired. And these people can develop really life-threatening high body temperatures where if immediate action isn't taken in a matter of minutes, their outcome is usually pretty poor. Death or significant brain damage can be quite serious. The good news, though, is that with recognition and early treatment, many of those patients can do very well. Hi, my name is Marcelo Jauregui Volpe, and this is The Climate Divide, a new podcast from Hola Cultura, supported by Spotlight DC and the Fund for Investigative Journalism. In 2021, Hola Cultura spoke to Dr. Matt Levy about staying safe as temperatures rise during the summer months. So my name is Matt Levy, and I'm an emergency physician at Johns Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore, Maryland. Dr. Levy detailed why and how heat emergencies impact people, while providing some insight into how they are treated by health professionals. Heat emergencies and heat waves, and heat, you know, particularly in the, the mid-Atlantic portion of the country that we reside in, the D.C., Baltimore, and whatnot, these areas are uniquely susceptible to heat and the consequences of multiple days of prolonged heat. And that's for a number of different reasons. Many people have air conditioning, still a great number don't. And, and those, uh, particularly in lower and middle income earning statuses, may struggle with the ability to actually not only have access to air conditioning, but may struggle with having to make hard decisions about you know how long they run the air conditioner for and how well it even works. But we also know that many heat emergencies are preventable. Heat-related emergencies tend to affect the body's ability to regulate one's own temperature and water and electrolyte levels. But recognition of the life-threatening heat emergency is super duper important because it's a time-critical illness. And if we can stop that cycle and get that person cooled as quickly as possible, they have the best chances possible for a good outcome. And one of the best ways we can do that is to make their body wet as quickly as possible. Dr. Levy then acknowledged the everyday realities of living through heat waves and provided some everyday solutions. You know, one of the challenges, I think, for folks who have to be outdoors is what can they do and where can they go if they don't have resources to cool off? So a lot of cities have opened up cooling centers when it gets to be high heat days. But there are a number of other places people can go to, from libraries to shopping malls to stores. There's places people can go to get out of the heat to get cool if they don't have the ability to just have air conditioning at home. Having established some basics about heat illness and its treatment, Dr. Levy began to discuss those that are most impacted, starting with the very old and very young. Older folks don't really regulate heat very well, guys. They don't do it nearly as well as younger folks do. And so there are a number of reasons why, you know, if you ever walk into an elderly family member's apartment, you're like, God, it's like 90 degrees in here. What's going on? That may be comfortable for them, or they may not perceive the temperature the same way. Sometimes they're not running the air conditioning because of financial concerns. But one of the other things we have to worry about are those with very young children. Because young, little, little children, from infant to toddler age in particular, but up to school age, they're very susceptible to heat-related illness as well. We also worry a lot about kids being left in cars. Awful, awful situations where a parent forgets that they have a child in the car seat. 
So we tell parents of young children, you have to do something that forces you to go in that back seat before you leave. For me, I always would put my briefcase or my laptop bag in the back seat on the floor. Half the time would end up with Cheerios on it, but that's the risk you pay, you know. But the idea is that you have to open that back door to take one look to make sure. Dr. Levy then addressed the struggles faced by those that have no choice but to work outdoors in extreme heat. For those essential workers, construction workers, first responders, postal workers, delivery drivers, there are a number of professions in the services industry where they don't really have a choice. They got to be outside to do their jobs so that we can all enjoy the quality of life that we get to have. And so those folks have to be extra careful. They have to stay well hydrated. They have to avoid dehydration. We encourage them to wear loosely fitting clothing of light colors. Wearing a hat is really important. Sunscreen is really important. Even for darker skinned individuals, sunscreen is very important. There's a misconception amongst folks with darker skin tones that they don't have to wear sunscreen. It actually still really needs to wear it because you can still get melanoma. And it's actually harder to detect in darker skin. There are other things that we tell people who have to be outside during these excessive heat temperatures to, to be careful of, to increase the amount of breaks that they're taking. So to pace themselves, work 15 or 20 minutes, take a break for 15 or 20 minutes. So that way you have some chance to rest and to rest in the shade if you can. And to know what those warning signs are of a heat-related illness. Using a buddy system is really important so that if you have a coworker or a colleague that you're paired off with, you can keep an eye on each other. This is The Climate Divide, a new podcast from Hola Cultura, supported by Spotlight DC and the Fund for Investigative Journalism. This podcast has also been made available to listeners of WAMU 88.5, NPR's Consider This Podcast, and WTOP Radio. Although there may be a variety of solutions to heat illness, Dr. Levy outlined the issue of recognition, as people sometimes fail to realize that they're in need of medical assistance. Unfortunately, those people who tend to be the most susceptible and the most vulnerable are those who tend to have medical literacy issues, but also those who tend to maybe have other multiple comorbidities, multiple illnesses, and also in some cases, a mental illness as well. And that can make it even more challenging to get that information from them because you're not able to elicit the right information or for whatever reason, the person isn't able to recognize what's happening to their body. And so what I would offer is we use a systematic approach to assessing and treating patients. And that part of that is the immediate recognition of things like severe bleeding, unconsciousness, someone who's not breathing effectively, and someone who could be having life-threatening hyperthermia. Finally, Dr. Levy delved into the most common origin of heat illness complications. He outlined how people with pre-existing conditions are often at a higher risk of succumbing to issues of dehydration. The exacerbations of medical illnesses that people have every day that they live with, chronic medical conditions, medically managed with certain medications, those medications may impair how the body responds to high heat stress. For example, high blood pressure. Many, many people have high blood pressure and medications to control high blood pressure work a couple different ways. Some of them work by actually getting you to pee off fluid, to pee out extra fluid, they call it like a water pill. And well, if you're on a pill that encourages your body to pee a lot, it's gonna make you more susceptible to dehydration. Other medicines work to regulate one's heart rate. And by regulating its heart rate, you can control someone's blood pressure. And the challenge there is if you are under some type of physiologic stress, because of dehydration or because of heat exhaustion or heat illness, if you're on a medicine that's going to block your body's ability for your heart rate to elevate, then your blood pressure may not be able to compensate and you can pass out. 
other examples that we see as the humidity goes up, we see exacerbations or worsening of respiratory illness, things like asthma, things like conditions called COPD, which we know have higher rates of illness in urban environments because of air quality issues. People can have exacerbations to those. You go outside, you know, during a day like today where it's 90 degrees out, and even if you don't have asthma, you, you breathe like, oof, it's, it's actually hard to breathe out here. The air is thick, you feel it. Now imagine having an illness where, where your airways spasm down because of asthma or something like that, and it can be that much worse. Heart disease kind of goes hand in hand with the high blood pressure. There are some other conditions. Diabetes can also be a condition where people tend to pee a lot because of the excess sugar in their blood, and that can promote dehydration or potentiate dehydration. The message that we want to send is people need to be aware if they're on multiple medications, they should check with their healthcare provider about potential risks that they could face in a heat-related situation. We don't want people stopping their medicines because that's equally as bad. We don't want them not taking their medicines or self-directing their medicines, like cutting their doses in half. Those are all really bad things that can make a situation even worse because now we don't know how well this person may actually be able to maintain their normal homeostasis during that time. Having detailed the who, what, when, and where of heat illness, Dr. Levy underscored the importance of staying informed. For me, it is far easier and far more economical and far better to prevent illness than to treat illness. And so developing meaningful prevention tools that highlights the importance of preventing heat illness, uh, particularly for urban islands, and recognition of it and what to do and where people can go, I think that would be incredibly impactful and would probably have an ability to perpetually help people. The Climate Divide is edited by me, Claudia Peralta Torres, and Jose Luis Mendoza. Additional interviews were conducted by Lucia Matamoros. Christine McDonald is a series editor and executive director of Hola Cultura. This project is supported by Spotlight DC, the Capital City Fund for Investigative Journalism, and the Fund for Investigative Journalism.